this morning. Um, James 5.13, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. All right? Um, should we need to be told that? Or is that something that we typically normally do when we're suffering? What's the first thing that we normally do? Well, I don't know. Different people are different. But in this case, the Lord says the first thing, and the only thing that's mentioned here, is to pray. Um, how many times have you kind of made a statement similar to this when someone needs, needs something, and you say, well, all I can do is pray for you? What does that statement imply? That it's the most powerful thing that you can do, but when it's stated that way, what does it imply? Uh, Lori? It doesn't seem like you're doing much. <laughs> yeah, that's all I can do. It, 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 yeah, it's like a last chance. It minimizes it. And, and you know, uh, I, I am still continuing to learn and to recognize how powerful prayer is. And uh, in this case here, as I uh, look at the verses here, is anyone suffering? Pray. Let him pray. That's the first thing we should do. Sometimes that's the only thing we should do. But uh, in this case, um, what we're going to talk about this morning is this is a particular kind of suffering. Number of words used in the New Testament that are translated to suffer or to suffer, or suffering or to suffer. Um, this is a particular word that simply means to suffer hardship, which could be health, it could be relationships, it could be just discouragement, you know, there's lots of things that would fall under this category of hardship. But I, I would like you to go at this point with me to the book of 2 Timothy, and I'm going to show you the other verses where this particular word for suffering is used. So let's go to 2 Timothy, um, chapter 1 to start with, okay? These verses, they're all in 2 Timothy, chapter 1, 2, 4. Um, use our word that's used in James for suffering. And I want you to see the context in which it's used in every case, okay? Um, James 1, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 1.8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. So there's our word for suffering, to suffer with the Apostle Paul. And from this one verse, what can we recognize is the cause or the context or the kind of suffering that he's going through. What is it? Persecution, and in Paul's case, um, his suffering in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul wrote. He writes it near the end of his life, and he writes it from prison. And uh, as far as we know historically, Paul is going to die in this prison. And he invites Timothy, who, to whom he is going to kind of entrust uh, with Timothy's own ministry, he says, Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, 
according to the power of God. The second occurrence is in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. Suffer hardship with me. And that's our word again. Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. The next one, 2 Timothy 2, 8. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, descendant of David, according to my gospel, for which I suffer hardship, even to imprisonment, as a criminal, but the word of God is not imprisoned. What kind of suffering are we talking about using this word? Suffering for the gospel. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5. But you be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. This particular word that James uses in James 5.13 is used in these passages here in 2 Timothy to describe suffering or hardship that comes into our lives because of our testimony for Jesus Christ. And even in James 5.10, he gives an example. He says, as an example, brethren, of suffering and patience, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Is anyone suffering? Let him pray. That's where it begins. The kind of suffering we're talking about is suffering because of our testimony for the Lord Jesus or toward his gospel. And in Paul's case, he was put in prison. He was ultimately put to death. Every one of the apostles, with the exception of the apostle John, as far as we know from historical sources, died as martyrs um, through execution, through imprisonment. Uh, John, the apostle, was uh, actually exiled to an island where we assume, apparently, that he died of old age. But every one of the apostles of Jesus Christ paid with their life because of their testimony for Jesus Christ. So today, and we've talked about this in recent weeks, what kind of suffering, what kind of hardship are we going to experience? Okay. Now, so far, we're, it's not like we're in China and we'd be put in prison for a meeting like this, or North Korea, where we would be perhaps even executed for preaching the gospel. We're in the United States of America, where we have freedom of religion. Is there any suffering associated with being a Christian in our culture today and if there is, what kind typically is it? Pardon? Ridicule. Ridicule. Okay. Ridicule. What is that? What is ridicule? Okay. And because they don't agree with your beliefs, they ridicule which is simply another way of saying that's ridiculous, okay? So there's a lot of ridicule. Um, 
Christian students on college campuses, same thing. A lot of mocking, a lot of scorning, um, a lot of shame, trying to make people feel ashamed, and I think that's probably maybe the big one. Um, on the screen here, we have a passage from Luke chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, that Jesus told us about that has come true. Throughout all of the history of Christianity, these verses, this is Luke 6, 22 and 23, and it says, Blessed are you when men hate you and ostracize you and insult you and scorn your name as evil for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. The kind of suffering that we are called to undergo is one of the Lord's many blessings. It says it right there. You are blessed when those things happen. And so this morning, is we'll talk about this idea of suffering for the gospel, and then we'll tie in that second part and ask, well, how do we pray about it then? What should we pray? Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And we have that on the screen here as well. 2 Peter 3, 1 to 4, where Peter talks about the last days. 2 Peter 3 verse 1, This is now, beloved, my second letter I am writing to you, by which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of our Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. Know this, first of all, that in the last days mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. In the history of Christianity, those who proclaim the name of Jesus Christ are always going to be met with mockery and scorn by those of the world. The... Um, the early apostles in the book of Acts, the very first time they came into conflict with the Jewish leaders for preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's one thing that the Jewish leaders demanded of them, and this, I don't know if you, you, you will remember this. What was it that they demanded of the apostles that were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead? Speak no more in this name. How do we escape suffering for the sake of our testimony toward the Lord Jesus? Just be silent. Don't say anything about the Lord Jesus. Um,
And this is why I have such a difficult time. Oh, let's see, I've got a... I think I mentioned this before. This statement about preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Now I understand the, I understand the idea behind that. But you don't preach the gospel without words. Um, when you go through the book of Acts, oh, this is, if you really want to, if you really want a, an assignment, go through the book of Acts and circle all of the verbs that are used in the messages that the apostles are giving. And they all have to do with speaking. Now, the message of the gospel needs to be backed up with a lifestyle that reflects it. But the lifestyle by itself is not the gospel. The gospel is a message that must be communicated. Otherwise, people are simply going to be confused. Are there good, loving, nice people in the world today who do not know the Lord? Sure there are. Um, they're all around us. They may be members of other religions. They may be atheists. I, I, I'm way off track already. I'm sorry about that. But I just, if you don't want to suffer for the gospel, don't say anything about the gospel. Okay? It's the name of Jesus Christ that provokes people. And uh, so um, our, our challenge as we grow, <laughs> as we grow in, in our walk of faith here, is that we recognize that at some point, there needs to be a communication that reflects the life that we're living in front of people. Suffering hardship in James means a willingness to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 5, verse 41, talks about the early apostles in those very first meetings, the believers in Jesus Christ were persecuted because they were proclaiming the name. And this is what happens after they were persecuted and warned. They went on their way from the presence of the council rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now I'm most interested in that last phrase. They were considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. Think about that for a moment that suffering, shame for the name of Jesus Christ is something that is worthy. It makes you worthy to suffer shame for the name of Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.20, Paul says, He prays that I will not be put to shame in anything but that with all boldness, Christ will even now as always be exalted in my body, whether by life or whether by death. What was Paul's concern there? That Christ be exalted. What's the motive? What's, what drives me that I would be willing to have people make fun of me for claiming the name of Jesus? What motivates, what drives us for that? And, and this passage in Philippians 1.20, Paul says, 
because I want Christ to always be exalted. Is Jesus Christ exalted when I am ashamed to name his name? Is that something that is um, honoring? And I, I really appreciate what Chris shared a few moments ago about the songs that we sing. If we are just singing these words out of rote, and not with the intent that we're lifting up those words and identifying with them to the Lord. Um, you know, that is almost like what we talked about last week, which is taking the Lord's name in vain. If we're treating the Lord's name just like any other, if we're singing songs of worship, but we're really not thinking about worship, um, those are things we need to be careful of. And every Awana worker in all the world throughout all history knows 2 Timothy 2.15. Yes? Raise your hand, Awana. Second, come on, be bold. Kirby, you're a, you are a Timothy Award winner. Uh, now I realize it's been many years ago and your mind is beginning to, uh, uh, gone, okay. Rick, you, when we first came, our first Sunday here, you and Gary Rodakowski were, uh, what was the name of your character in Awana? It wasn't, it was something like Dudley Do-Right, but it really wasn't Dudley Do-Right. It was Captain, Captain Christian Wright. Captain <laughs> and those were great times. Second Timothy two fifteen. <laughs> Be diligent to present yourselves approved unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, handling rightly or accurately the word of truth. Now listen to that first part. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. There is an approval there by God when we're not ashamed. Romans 1.16. I think that was up there earlier. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, don't turn around and look. But Deanna and Ron are in the back actually putting verses up for us so that uh, this is a test. This is a trial. And uh, so if you're looking there and you're saying, I can't see them, they're too dark, they're too small, uh, we have ways to fix that, okay? <laughs> Thank you, Ron. <laughs> for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and to the Greek. I am not ashamed of the gospel, and why not? Because the gospel is the power of God that leads to salvation. And is that something to be ashamed of? It is not. So, in our interactions with other people, um, we kind of come to points in our life where we have to make a choice. Am I going to be embarrassed by the ridicule of others? Or 
am I going to be willing to suffer shame that Christ might be exalted? And it's a hard thing to do. Is it the fact that I care about others more, about, care about what others think of me more than I do about honoring Christ? Now, there is a balance here. Uh, there is a balance here. Um, but when the Holy Spirit provides an opportunity and an open door, we need to speak. Whether we're going to be ridiculed, whether someone's going to embarrass us, um, that's the price you pay. That's the kind of suffering that Peter, or J James is talking about where we're at. Turn with me to 1 Peter 4.12. Okay, so we're, we'll read this, and then we're going to move to, okay, so when we're suffering, what should we pray? Because that's what James said to do. 1 Peter 4.12 Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which has come upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing was happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exultation. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. But make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, thief, evildoer, troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. And in verse 13, it says, to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. And that's an important phrase right there. When we suffer hardship of any kind related to our testimony for Christ, we are actually sharing in the sufferings of Christ. We often don't think of it that way, but basically what's happening is how people are responding to us is how they responded to him. How we are suffering for his name is how he suffered because of his name. And so we share in the sufferings of Christ. Um, we share in the righteousness of Christ. Uh, we, we share in um, uh, the, the spirit of Christ. There's lots of things we share in the Lord. Suffering is one of them. The suffer for the name of Christ. So, what do we pray? If any of you are suffering, pray. Let him pray. There's a number of things that we could pray. 2 Timothy 2.10. Ron, can you make that bigger? Because I can't see it from back here. There, thank you. For this reason... I endure all things for the sake of those who were chosen, that they may also contain this, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus, and with it eternal joy, eternal glory. We can pray for endurance. When people mock you, make fun of you, ridicule you, when people make me feel embarrassed, 
Sometimes you just need to pray for endurance. Lord, give me the strength to remain strong and faithful in the midst of the comments that other people will make simply because you name the name of Jesus. Uh, Acts 4.29. Thank you, Ron. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. And sometimes... You know, all of these things, this is about we need to pray for boldness or for confidence. It all needs to be under the umbrella of being in a context where the Holy Spirit has um, uh, prompted you to, to name the name of Christ. We don't wrestle, uh, you know, we don't, we don't fight uh, uh, with the warfare of the flesh we fight by the Holy Spirit and so I don't want you to go out of here thinking that every word I have to say in every conversation I have I need to say the word Jesus at least once but to be led by the Holy Spirit means that we are going to be led into opportunities where we can talk to other people about Jesus Christ the life that we live in front of them should be the kind of thing would actually maybe provoke their curiosity. And a lot of times that opens doors. Um, but, to, but to name the name of Christ while you're living contrary to the character of Christ is just um, the hypocrisy is confusing to them and distracting and a hindrance. So again, I'm, in spite of my comments about the other statement, we need to have a, a life that lives out the Christ that we, that we proclaim. We can pray for um, opportunities. And that's what Paul does in Colossians 4.3. Praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned to pray that God would open up opportunities and when those opportunities are there that means when God has actually opened that door that means that God has equipped and prepared you to go through it and to share the gospel uh, the name of the Lord with somebody else Paul was afflicted with a hardship uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He called it a, tor a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to keep him from exalting himself. And do you know what he prayed for? Relief. He prayed for relief. He prayed three times for it. And that's another thing we can pray for. If, if the hardship has become so burdensome, uh, there's nothing wrong with praying for relief. Uh, in Paul's case, the Lord didn't answer his prayer for relief, but simply encouraged him by the power of God that was in Paul through the Holy Spirit. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. And so Paul says, most gladly I'll rejoice about those things. 
Suffering, okay, now this is a, just kind of a principle throughout all kinds of different contexts. S suffering for a cause demonstrates the value of that cause to you. If you have a cause that is really important to you, that you consider of great value, you will suffer for that cause. Um, that's why there's uh, martyrs that, that, that actually kill themselves, um, light themselves on fire or whatever, for a cause that they really believe in. And so, suffering for a cause or for a person demonstrates the value that you place on that person. So, I would suffer for my grandchildren, but I wouldn't suffer as deeply for yours. Is that not, I don't know if that's a good thing to say publicly or not, but the value that you place on the person is reflected in how deeply I will suffer for them. And we'll just read uh, just uh, kind of Philippians 3, 7, and 8 here. But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as loss, Philippians 3, 7, for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ. And you see in those words of Paul that he placed great, great value on knowing the Lord. It was of such great value to him. He says, everything else that's gained to me is really a loss in comparison to the value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And, and, and I want to strive to get to that point that Paul was at, where Christ is of such great value that his worth is so far greater than anything else in my life that I consider worthy, that Christ would be preeminent, as it says in the book of Hebrews, in our lives. Um, not there yet, but that's the goal. It's the goal Paul had. He says, I strive toward that goal, and, um, and that's where I want to be. One more verse, which is a little frightening. It's in Mark chapter 8, verse 38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. Now that's a little frightening, isn't it? That Christ could return and, and that he would have shame because of how we have lived. And again, when the worth of Christ is where it should be, we should be willing to suffer shame and not be ashamed 
of his word or of his person. So I'd like us to take a moment and pray uh, because this is kind of a convicting message for me. Um, out of all of the opportunities, and I'm so grateful to be like Kirby, where after a while your mind begins to go and you don't remember things from the past. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that I can't remember all of the missed opportunities that were lost because I was ashamed to mention the name of Jesus. And, uh, I mean, I can remember enough of them that I, it's just embarrassing. But, um, so it is kind of a convicting thing, but it's really an encouragement. Um, the shame level that we experience will diminish the greater our value of Christ grows. And that's really the point. It's not really about, you know, you need to do more speaking about Jesus. You need to quit being ashamed. At the end of the day, what this is about is seeing the worth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Father God, ah, man, Lord, we are so... We are so blessed to have the Holy Spirit. And Father, for me, I, I, I so am grateful for those times that you remind me of my past. And that there were people that you moved to share the name of Jesus with me at a very young age. And that message that I heard was enlivened by your Spirit <coughs> received into my heart, and my life was forever changed. Father, I want to be that kind of person to others. That their place in heaven would be, um, would be because that someone was faithful and not ashamed to talk to them about Jesus. So, Father, lead us to those opportunities. When they come, um, just smite our hearts so that we remember. <coughs> the Holy Spirit will give us the words to say when that door is open. And that open door means that there's an open heart that you've prepared. Teach us to be faithful, we pray, to the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.